Thanks for joining us. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. You are now tuned in to this episode of our podcast. Today we are going to interview some of the greatest and most influential minds in our field. And now, please welcome your host. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. Uh, we're speaking with Daniel Kamenetsky, the new general counsel for Good Israel of America, and we're looking at a historic Supreme Court decision reaffirming religious rights on the workplace. In the case of Groff case, where a United States postal officer, postal worker wanted to take off Sundays, and he had to resign because of discrimination, and the court ruled in his favor. I know that you're focusing, Daniel, on the, of course, on the Groff case, on the religious religion in the workplace, but um, is there any official position that Yaguda has as far as affirmative action in the colleges? I know a lot of the constituency of the Yaguda don't really go to college, but in the modern Orthodox world they do. So I think it has some impact because it means that you can't give preference based on race. It has to be done on merit. Uh, you know, I, I think, generally speaking, I think that that, uh, comports with our position, with our with our general position, 100%. No, it's it's an important issue um, because religious right now. When we were talking before about accommodation, I remember hearing stories in the 1920s. I wasn't around them, but I heard stories from the 1920s, 1930s of people who came to America and they got a job and they got fired on Friday because they're taking off Shabbos and they kept going from place to place getting fired. There was nothing to protect them in the workplace. So I think that's changed over the course of time. But until the ruling today, somebody who's religious was at risk if he took off, for example, Shabbos, if the, his employer couldn't find somebody else to replace him or, do, or somebody wanted to swap with him. So this is, I think, is a very important game changer that puts the onus on the employer as opposed to the employee. I agree with you. I agree with you. And that's why, uh, you know, it was a very exciting day here at the Haguda. We were working on the press release that we uh, we just put out. We have some uh, some uh, video materials that are hopefully going out where myself and Rabbi Chaim David Zuibel, our executive uh, vice president, talk about the impact of the decision. So, yeah, it was, it was a good day. It was good to get some good news for a change. Now, you, this may not be able to answer because you're relatively new at the Aguda. What cases of the Aguda does come in as a friend of the court and what does it support but doesn't really get involved? Like in this case, you mentioned the OU and Culpa, but I don't think the Aguda got involved in this particular case of this uh, postal worker who was looking for relief from the courts. Oh no, we did. We we put oh, in. Uh, we joined the we joined the the Culpa brief that was. Oh, you did join the Culpa uh, brief. Nathan. Okay, fine. And yeah, I mean, you know, it, you know, obviously, the Aguda answers to the Moses Gadola at Torah to the, the rabbinic board, and so you know, that's where we get our guidance from. When uh, virtually any position we take, any amicus curiae brief that we uh, that we write, we're getting guidance from the Gadolim. Uh, you know, that that's that's the, the the authority that we answer to. So, you know, that that's really how the the, the process works, from what I understand. So, uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, but but. Obviously, you know anything anything that that where the religious uh, freedoms of or the constitutional rights of religious people are affected, whether they're Jewish, whether they're not Jewish, even um, the Aguda is going to stand up for the for the rights of those people. Now, what I find 
amazing, but I also like the fact that the Beckett Fund, which is the group that brought the lawsuit and helped, you know, uh, Mr. Groff in his victory with before the Supreme Court, and they involve religious liberties. They're basically a Christian group, but it's nice to see that you have the Gooda and the OU and the Jewish groups that are working together with the other religious groups to fight for religion in the United States that we shouldn't be discriminated against. It's so it's so nice to see. Yes, yes. I mean uh, that 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 is. That is very, you know, when we come together, we are, we are, we're, uh, we're, we're stronger. So, uh, 100%. And, I, and one of the things that I'm committed to doing in my, in my position is, uh, you know, trying to harness the, the legal talent that we have in the community because the more people that we can get involved, the, the more powerful we will be. So, talk to me about that. So, you're the general counsel. So, do you work with other attorneys on a pro bono basis? Do you have, lawyers volunteer that say I want to help you because I know it's much to just too much for one person to do. Yes. Yes. Uh, and, and in fact, uh, there was another, uh, decision, uh, that, uh, I think June 16th, the, the Spetner decision, which was a second circuit decision, second circuit, uh, uh, uh where the, uh, court, uh, is, is seeking to hold a, uh, a bank responsible, a bank who, facilitated some financing for terrorism. And uh, that decision was, uh, I'm sorry, that brief was, um, we were helped by Doug Mitchell and Scott Whitman uh, of uh, Jenner and Block. Uh, and Mr. Whitman is now with Haynes, Haynes Boone, but they took, took it on on a pro bono, pro bono basis and uh, really wrote the brief. And we got a great a decision there because now you know banks are not going to be able to in this case what i understand happened is that the bank was like funneling money through other banks so uh, the district court said well we can't hold that bank responsible but the second circuit said oh no no we're going to essentially like piercing the corporate bail we're going to go to the source of the funds if you're going to fund terrorism we're going to we're going to allow uh, you to be sued and, and answer for that uh, uh-huh. but that brief was written by uh, by pro bono by by counsel that has has worked with people at the Aguda. So yeah, that's one of my jobs is to is to create a network. There is a network in place, but to grow it and to um, harness the talent, the legal talent that we have in the community, and that's how it happens. Uh, so if you're a lawyer out there listening, uh, and, you, and you can be yeah, part no. of the, you can contact the Good Israel. You can speak to Daniel Kamenetsky and be be involved. They certainly would appreciate that. And there there needs to be more lawyers. In fact, when I spoke to Alan Dershowitz the other day and we spoke about anti-Semitism, his solution was sue the anti-Semites. But I said the problem is you need more lawyers in order to sue all the anti-Semites. It's a growing, it's a growing (laughs) enterprise, unfortunately. But I think it's an interesting solution. We need more Jewish lawyers to be involved. Before I let you go, it used to be lots of, it used to be commonplace for, People to call the Aguda and the OU and say we're being discriminated on the job and we have trouble with Shabbos and taking off for holidays. How prevalent is it today, even in a place like New York? Do we still see a lot of complaints? Oh, it's, it, it's very prevalent, Zev. I'm here two and a half weeks. My phone is, I want to say, ringing off the hook, but almost daily, almost daily, I'm getting calls from people who are having Shabbos problems, who are having problems, you know, just various religious freedom problems. It is a big. It is really happening. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, somebody brought us brought to, to our attention. You know, anti-Semitic remarks that are being made. I mean, right after I started, it was the uh, was the um, the speech that was given at the at the, at the CUNY school. I mean, really, it, it's a big problem, Zev, and it's it's something that uh, I, I'm 
I'm going to be kept very busy. Unfortunately, I wish I wouldn't be busy with that kind of thing. Wow. But I, I am very busy with trying to help people, you know, and, and, and have the right, you know, somebody called me and, and said that uh, their apartment building uh, was requiring to have a key fob. He said, but I'm, I'm Sabbath observant. I can't use a key fob. And they were giving him a hard time. And, uh, you know, he said, I'll pay for the key. Even if the key gets lost, I'll fix, I'll pay for the locks to be changed. And people are giving him a hard time. So, yeah, I'm getting these calls literally daily. So let me ask you, uh, a so condo board or help I can get. So I urge people, to, if you're a lawyer, to contact Dan Kamenetsky, the good. But how, what are the obligations of a co-op board or a condo board um, to make accommodations for, let's say, for the FOB or for the main gate going into the building to accommodate Sabbath observers? Well, thankfully, they, they, they caved. So they, they gave in. But are there rules in place? Do they have to, the condos and the co-ops? Do they have to accommodate? You know, it's, I, I think it's a gray area. I mean, I think, you know, maybe that's the next thing that, that, that gets decided. Obviously, it's not a workplace. It's not an employee, employer employee situation. Uh, I'm looking, I was looking at that until I didn't have to look at it anymore because, (laughs) because we won. But uh, we won the fight. But um, it's an interesting question. It's no, an, inter- an interesting issue. No, I mean, I remember years ago they have all kinds of discrimination that they able to do. I mean, I had a case uh, ooh, about 15, 20 years. We didn't take any place, but we had a, a, a condo, and we had children in there. And they determined they went through our garbage. They actually took our baby carriage and put it in the center of the place. And uh, they felt that, you know, they didn't like kids. You know, that was that was the subtext. But we're orthodox. They called the police. We sang Zemira Shabbos afternoon. People complained about that. You know, we weren't doing overly loud. Um, they went through our garbage. They actually went to some commission and saying we had too many people. And they, they overruled them. But they never told. We didn't even know that the whole thing took place. So you find this subtle kind. This not so subtle kinds of discrimination that take place in a co-op or a condo. And the question is, the law is vague on it, then that might be the biggest challenge that you may have as far as uh, dealing because employment might be a little easier after the Supreme Court decision. But some of these issues might exist, I think, with co-ops and condos. Right. But what you hope, I think, is that, you know, it spills over, right? It spills over into the private sector or into the, you know, that kind of a thing. If if the Supreme Court justices are making it clear that, you know, religious accommodation is an important thing in the workplace, hopefully that has a trickle down effect. And, you know, people understand that this is not something that you can play around with, that you have to be respectful of of other people's rights and, and and rights to practice their religion. Final question. Now, you mentioned you're getting lots of calls about, you know, people discrimination, people having difficulty. Is it coming more from the private sector or the public sector, as far as you can tell? The complaints on the employment um, end. Um, it, more more on the private sector, I would say. Because I would say right the now, governments yeah. will be much harder pressed to discriminate than, let's say, a private yes. employer. Dan Kamenetsky, listen, thank you for what you're doing. Congratulations on new position and uh, looking forward to it. We're going to have you on many, many more times. You're doing excellent work and we got to protect our religious rights. And I guess the other frontier, which we didn't talk about today, of course, is tuition tax release for parochial school parents, yeshiva and the Catholics, whatever it might be. That's also a case that maybe eventually get all the way to the Supreme Court again. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Okay, thank you for having me. Hey, this is Alan Dershowitz. One of the most important Jewish institutions in the world today is Talk Line with Zeb Brana. He is so smart, 
and he is so innovative and he has so many interesting guests. I don't know what Yiddishkeit, I don't know what New York, I don't know what the world would do without Zev. So Zev, Yashikoch, may you go from strength to strength and keep keep informing us and educating us and keep fighting for Jewish values. Thank you for tuning in to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast, the pulse beat of the Jewish community. For continuous Jewish programs, hawklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the thetalklinenetwork.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.